back to the Be A Bond Girl podcast. This is Sandy Shepard, and this podcast is a companion to my book, Fempowerment, A Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Bond Girl. Fempowerment is available on my website and also Amazon.com and other online retailers such as BarnesandNoble.com and the like. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes or you can give me a ring at 206-350-3537 or drop me an email at double O Sandy, that's D-O-U-B-L-E-O-H-S-A-N-D-Y at yahoo.com. So as promised in the last podcast, this podcast is going to be a bit about feng shui and ordering your physical surroundings in accordance with the ancient principles of feng shui. This podcast is definitely not going to be the be all and end all on feng shui principles. I would suggest if you're interested after hearing this podcast that you start with Tara Catherine Collins's book, The Western Guide to Feng Shui. I have a link to this book in the library references on my website, beabondgirl.com, or you can go directly to the website for the Western School of Feng Shui, which is wsfs.com. There are a couple of schools of Feng Shui. One is generally referred to as the Magnetic School, and one is generally referred to as, of all things, the Black Hat School. Each of these schools uses the Bagua as its main principles. We are going to speak about the Bagua in just a bit, but under the magnetic school, you have to also know what direction north, south, east, and west is in your house or in your locale that you're applying the feng shui principles to. Instead, under the black hat school, you have the same Bagua, but it is centered around the entrance to the area that you're looking at. So if you're looking at your desk, that would be where your chair sits, or if you're looking at a room, that would be the door to that room. I happen to have studied and followed the Black Hat School. To me, Feng Shui is an ordering system. It's not mystical and magical, and that's why the Black Hat School appeals to me. So in this podcast, and also in my book, All the principles are based on that black hat school. That's also what the Western School of Feng Shui teaches. Now that I've gotten you completely confused, what is Feng Shui? Under the principles of Feng Shui, there are nine sectors in any physical locale. This locale could be your office, your cubicle, your house, a room in your house, or even the inside of your car or your desk. It doesn't matter how small or how large that physical location is, feng shui principles apply to that location. These nine sectors make up a three by three square, which is called the bagua. That's what I had mentioned before. It's spelled B-A-G-U-A. The bagua is always in the same order. In other words, the same squares are always on top of the same other squares in that three by three square. To visualize this, close your eyes. Well, not if you're driving, but I want you to visualize a square that has two lines down the middle and two lines down the side. So now you have a square that's got three by three boxes on the inside of it. Each of these boxes stands for a certain sector of your life. Starting at the very top left box, that is wealth and abundance. The one next to it in the middle back is fame and reputation. 
the right back box or top box is relationships and love. Then on the next level to the middle left is family and ancestors. In the very center is health, balance, and chi. And on the right-hand side is creativity and children. Now on the bottom three boxes, we have knowledge and learning to the far left. In the middle is career. And on the bottom right is travel and helpful friends. How feng shui basically works is you take this bagua, this nine square grid, and you superimpose it on top of the location that you are looking at. To make this fairly easy, let's say that your house is a perfect square. You want to center the bagua square on top of your house with your front door lining up along that bottom line the one that was knowledge to the left, career in the middle, and travel and helpful friends on the right-hand side. Even if you use some other door to come into your house or your front door is completely blocked, which we may get into a little bit later in this podcast, you still want to use the front door of your house to set that bagua on. Now, your front door is either going to be to the left, to the center, or to the right. So either you're entering that house in that knowledge sector, in that career center, which is right in the center, or in the travel and helpful friends sector. Let's use my house as an example. I'm lucky because my house actually happens to be a perfect square. If your house isn't a perfect square, we're not going to go over that on this podcast, but you basically have to incorporate principles to make the landscaping outside part of your house as well. Because under feng shui principles, you're missing a part of your life if you're missing a part of the bagua in your house. Again, I'm not going to go into that. Let's just start with my house. When I walk in my house centered on my front door, my front door is in the middle of that bottom line. So when I walk in, I'm walking into the career part of my house. As I step in, I actually step into a great room, so that's in the middle part of my house, or the health, balance, and chi part of my house. Off of my left shoulder, on the wall that the front door is on, there's a library that happens to be the knowledge part of the house, and off my right shoulder, which is travel and helpful friends, is my kitchen. When I step into my house, so I'm standing in that chi or center balance health part, off of my left hand is the family and ancestors part of my house and off of my right hand is the creativity and children part of my house. As I step further forward, I'm actually facing my back door, the back door which is right in the middle and right across from my front door. Again, I got a perfectly square house. That is the center back of my house and that center back of my house stands for fame and reputation and then off of my left hand is a room which we actually have as a den TV room. That's our wealth and abundance room. And then off of my right shoulder is a bathroom, which represents the relationship and love part of the house. This is the first floor of my house. I have a second floor, but this explains to you just a bit, if you imagine walking into my house, where all these quadrants are. Why is this important? Under feng shui principles, anywhere that you have clutter in your house equals death. Clutter equals death. It means that you have dead energy in that part of your life. How does this manifest itself? Well, let's take my den, which is the prosperity abundance part of my house. This room is actually painted dark green, which means money to me. 
It also could be a guest room, but when I was speaking with my feng shui master, she stated that having a rollaway or a fold-up couch in this room would be like somebody hiding in my abundance room, ready to take it away. Now, I'm not quite sure that I agree with all that mystical part, but I do like the idea of having a part of my house where if I go there, I see things that remind me of abundance. For me, abundance is dark green. I also have plants in there. I have some strong paintings. I have some little ceramic dragons that a friend gave to me that I think of when I walk into that room that are guarding my wealth. Let's take that bathroom that's on the exact opposite side, which represents relationships and love. That bathroom happens to be painted in a salmon-y color, and everything in there is paired up. I don't just have one soap, I have two soaps. I don't just have one towel on the rack, there's two towels on the rack. I have two paintings in there, and they are paintings that remind me of relationships and love. As we discussed in podcast two, I keep all the drawers and the cabinet underneath the sink very clean and clear and this reminds me to do the same in my relationship. Now if you're getting back into the sort of mystical and magical part, I keep the toilet cover down because I don't want to flush away any of the good of my relationship. Now that's sort of on the magical and mystical side but it's not a bad thing anyway. I am particularly drawn to feng shui because it gives your mind an ordering system of where to put things. Not only does your house, which is your biggest physical surrounding, have this 3 by 3 Bagua grid superimposed over it, but so does every room in that house. So let's say that you walk into my bottom left-hand room. I know this is probably one of those things if you don't have a spatial relation sense where you're thinking, I can't keep all this in my head, but just go with me. My bottom left-hand room, when you first walk in, is a library. That's also where I have my desk and my office. Once I walk into this room, which on the house plan is the room that represents the most knowledge and learning, when I walk in that door, that same nine-sector bagua, three by three, gets superimposed on that room in exactly the same way. So starting from the top left corner of that room. That top left corner is wealth and abundance. Then the middle back is fame and reputation. The back right is relationships and love and so on and so on. So where do you think I have my desk? You probably guessed it. It is in wealth and abundance in the top left hand corner. So now let's approach my desk. As we walk up to my desk, My chair sits right in the middle. It's just one of those regular old rectangular desks. That desk, under feng shui principles, also has that nine sector bagua superimposed on top of it. What does that mean? So starting at the top left-hand corner of that desk, that's where wealth and abundance is represented on that desk. In the middle, back, is fame and reputation. Back, right-hand side, is relationships and love. In the very middle of the desk, the left-hand side is family and ancestors. Middle-middle is health and balance. Right-middle is creativity and children. And then at the front of the desk, the front left-hand corner is knowledge and learning. 
the very front, pretty much where the chair is, is career, and then travel and helpful friends at the bottom right, or the front corner of that desk on the right. How is any of this helpful to you at all? Because feng shui offers you an ordering system for your life. In podcast two, you got rid of, you did get rid of, all the clutter that was in your life, right? Now, we're going to use those feng shui principles to take those objects that you've kept that are necessary or have real energy for you and we'll put them in places in your house, on your desk, in your room, in your office, in your car, where they will remind you of their best use to you. What does this mean? I usually can explain this the best when I have my clients think of their desk. I also like to think of this in what I call a positive manner. I guess you might say that I like to use feng shui more as a carrot or a treat than a stick. By that I mean, if you don't use this as a way to order your life, I'm not going to tell you that bad things are going to happen to you because you happen to have only single things in your relationship or love quadrant, for example, or because you have nothing in your abundance corner of your desk or your house or your room. Some people who are into feng shui would definitely tell you that. However, what I believe is that feng shui gives you a place to put things in your life so that your brain will know where to look for them when you are feeling a little low ebb in whatever that sector is. Here's an example. Let's say that you've just had a screaming fight with your James and you've huffed off to work. If on your desk in that top right hand corner which represents relationships and love you have a picture of you and your James having a fantastic time or you have a shell from a wonderful walk that you took on the beach your subconscious knows that if you look up and to the right in any room on your desk or in your home you're going to see something that really reminds you of relationship and love well that can help you to simmer down when times are tough similarly Let's say you're feeling a little bit down about yourself. If right in the middle back of your desk area, you have an award or a certificate that represents fame and reputation for you, your subconscious can automatically look to that spot and remind you that you've done it before and you could do it again. The bedrock idea of these first podcasts is in starting your fem-powered life, you have to have a commitment to no clutter. And if after clearing and cleaning out, you have those objects that you are saying have great energy for you, feng shui helps you place them in parts of your house, on your desk, in your office, or even in your car, in places that will remind your subconscious about the positives and the energy that you have in your life in these nine areas of your life. Again, I don't think that feng shui is magical. I think it gives your brain a way to order your life. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story and how I actually use feng shui principles to help my clients in my coaching business. The other day, I was at a luncheon with a number of very successful women. You know, it's an expensive meal when you go and they don't call it a lunch or a buffet. They call it a luncheon. That means you're 
paying some bank to get there. Anyway, one of the women was asking about my book and asking about my coaching business. And I explained to her that the very beginning of all of my coaching business and of my book is that my clients have to commit to no clutter. And I use the feng shui principles to help people to order their lives and to make sure that all those nine sectors of their life are balanced because I find that to be really such an important issue. And often clients who are working with me can see physically where they need to make some changes in their life just by how they are living and what they have for each of those nine quadrants. This woman, who definitely had a lot to say, really poo-pooed the idea. She said, well, how can you possibly know about me by what I have on my desk or in my house or what I'm doing in my life? I think my life is very balanced. She was very adamant about this. And the other women at the table, I think, sensed that there might be a catfight coming. So I said to this woman, why don't you tell me a little bit about what your office looks like? She said, I have pictures that my kids have drawn everywhere. They're on every surface. I love my kids. They're all over in my office. And that's probably what you would see when you first walked in. Now, this woman is a partner in the law firm. That's what she does for her job. And that's the sort of office that she's describing that you'd walk into. So I said back to her, calmly, after taking a sip of my tea, under feng shui principles, what that means is your children are running your life. It means if you've got things from your kids, not just in that middle right-hand sector, but in your health sector, in your abundance sector, in your fame sector, in your relationship sector, then your children are running all those areas of your life, which means you don't particularly have a good relationship with your husband. You spend a lot of your time, energy, and your health on your kids. You probably tell everyone, and you're certainly showing everyone, that your kids run your life. And so they have overrun your career, knowledge, money, health, and you're not corralling them for their own good in your life into a certain sector. And all those other sectors are being negatively affected by that obsession. As you can imagine, this word, obsession, made a number of the people at the table stop with their forks halfway in the air, looking back and forth between me and this other woman. They definitely wanted to know what would happen next because she was very strongly opinionated. I went on to say, if you are letting your children, just again, through what you're telling me about your office, this is what I sense your life is like, if you're showing your children that they can overrun all the other sectors of your life, how is this a good example for them in their lives? They're learning that their wants, needs, desires can overrun what should be the most important person in their life, their mother, and her desires and needs. That your health, your fame and reputation, your career, your desire to travel have all been subsumed to their wants and needs. This gives them an overinflated view of their importance as they really should only be one of nine quadrants in your life. You're teaching them that they are more important than your health, your money, 
your job. Now, perhaps you have all of these pictures of your kids and their drawings and everything up in your office, I continued, because you're trying to tell all the other lawyers when you're sitting there working until 8 o'clock at night that you have a family, and it's actually a passive-aggressive action on your part. People are going to understand that, too. They will look into this room where there you are working, and you can say that you're happy, but you're surrounded by all these things, and you are passively but aggressively saying to them, I have children at home. Why should I be working here? That is not going to help your career. Amazingly, as I was sitting there waiting for her to blow my doors off or light my hair on fire, she just got up from the table and said, I need to speak with someone. And she left. We were at the end of our meal at the tea and dessert portion. Then the funniest thing happened. The other six or so women that were at the table pretty much burst out laughing as soon as she was out of earshot. They said that I had hit the nail right on the head with her. She didn't have a man in her life anymore. He had left her. Her career was a little bit on the rocks because now she was a single woman trying to raise these children. And she did have a very high-powered career. But, said one of the women next to me, she went from almost ignoring her children because she was in the middle of a trial or something like that to being overly indulgent with her children. In other words, she had not come to a balance in her life. What does your life look like? How do your nine quadrants play out in your mind? For example, let's say that you're spending a lot of time with an elderly parent or with your children and your health is suffering or your career is suffering. Or let's say that you're spending a lot of time in your career and you don't have any relationship in your life. Being a Bond girl is all about balance. In using feng shui to order your physical surroundings, you're at least reminding yourself that you do have these nine quadrants that you should be paying attention to in your life, even if one or two of them seem to be completely overwhelming your life at this time. The essence of being a Bond girl is to be surrounded 100% by things that you love and adore and to be living a balanced life. When part of our life is out of balance, we wind up pushing on the scale, just like a scale of justice. When one side goes down, we wind up pushing down on the other side to try to make it balance. We're feeling completely overwhelmed at work. What do we do? We go out and we buy ourselves shoes and purses and treat ourselves to spa visits. What we're trying to do is load up the pleasure side of that scale because we've got some pain on the other side. Usually, this just leads to maxed out credit cards. Instead, maybe it's time to start taking some things off of that part of the scale that's super heavy and rebalancing your life instead of trying to add something onto the other side of the scale. You can't do it all at once. Your present is made up of all the choices that you have made up until this point. So if you're in a career where suddenly you find that you don't have enough time with your kids, it's time to start changing that. Not by staying in the career and giving your kids tons of toys and latitude and leeway, but instead by looking at that career and trying to take a little bit of that off of the scale and adding it on to some quality time with your children. What you do today 
and how you start to order your life and balance your life is how your future is going to look. And that's what we're going to discuss in our next podcast. Now that you've cleaned out your physical environment, it's time to clear out your schedule and clear out your head. Just as you shouldn't have anything in your house that you don't love, if you don't love what you're doing with your time, now's the time to stop doing it. I'd like to share a quote with you from Ellen Goodman that you can think about until podcast number five. The quote goes like this, normal is getting dressed in clothes that you buy for work and driving through traffic in a car that you are still paying for in order to get to the job you need to pay for the clothes in the car and to pay for the house you leave vacant all day so you can afford to live in it. Let's make a pact right now to change our definition of what normal is in our lives. Thanks again for meeting me here at this podcast, and I look forward to meeting you again during the next one. Bye.